I want to invite you tonight to this. This is a big deal. Uh, this is hopefully something we're going to be doing in our church every year, but we're, we're on our seventh key to freedom today, and, and tonight we thought, you know, let's get in a room and let's, let's testify. There's been many stories already coming out of Keys to Freedom, so what if we got in a room worship the Lord, get in front of each other, and we're going to have a, a Baptist version of open mic night. And um, I'm going to tell you, so I told you last week, if you missed it last week, don't, don't make us regret that. Uh, you know, if you, if you end up like wanting to do karaoke or something, you can do that, but just not there. All right. So what we're going to do is uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to probably put a time limit on it, you know, where you get like 60 seconds to testify, you know. So if, if you decide to break out in tongues or something, go ahead. You just got 60 seconds. And, and we're going we're gonna to have to have an interpreter on the spot, right, biblically. It's like, that's a pretty good joke. Y'all are flat. It's raining. I get it. Uh, but nonetheless, so, so we're, uh, we're going to be doing that tonight, 6 o'clock in the chapel. I'm telling you, last week we had a, a big night with uh, what it means to have spiritual agreements. And if that turnout was any in indication of just um, the interest of people finding freedom, I think it's going to be a big night for us. So um, I hope you get to come to that. Well, today um, we're going to talk about a different aspect of freedom. You've heard that word thrown a lot, around a lot at Clearview in the last few weeks, freedom. And let me tell you why. Here's a question I want to put in front of you. Why, why is spiritual freedom mission critical to your life? Why is spiritual freedom mission critical to your life? And I'll tell you why that is. It's, it's mission critical to your life because you have a real enemy. You, you have a real enemy. And it, 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 and it doesn't matter what you think about that enemy. It doesn't matter if you, what you think about this, what Satan does. It doesn't matter if you think he's some Hollywood figment of the boogeyman or, you know, if he's, oh, yeah, there's always evil. No, I'm telling you, the scriptures are very clear that you have an adversary, and he seeks to do you harm. Look around. I don't think I have to convince anybody of that. He seeks to do you harm. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes only. You know, you know that, that, it took me years. As, as, I, as I, I meditated on that verse one time for the better part of a year, it took me months to, to, for that word to rise off the page, by the way, only. He's got one agenda, just one. He's got one agenda. He, he, every day when you get up, you're thinking about what's on your calendar. Every day when you get up, you're looking, you know, when you get to work, for those of you in the corporate space, you're looking at your KPIs, you know, all the things you're doing. You're looking at where the balance sheets are. You're looking at the ledger sheets. All of you that are moms, you're looking at, oh my gosh, you know, do I have all these things in order for the house? Every day, the enemy doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. And his sole mission in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why spiritual freedom is so important to us. But Jesus said, the promise is, I've come that they would have life and have it to the full. So that's why freedom ministry is so important to you to learn how to navigate life. But let's talk about for a second why, why is freedom, why are we doing keys to freedom, and why does it matter so much in the life of Clearview? Why does it matter so much in the life of Clearview? I'll tell you why it matters. It matters because the end results of bondage are devastating. I mean, look around. Bondage is, the, the effects of sin are devastating. And I'm not just talking about the, 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 the high target sins like sexual immorality or pornography or addiction. Oh, that, that, sure, that's in the bucket. But there's a lot more in that bucket too. There's a lot more 
that's breaking us and, and, and killing us slowly in our lives. And the, the end result of, 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 of sin and bondage in our lives, it, it's, it's got very real repercussions. And so those effects are real. In fact, we have a thing at Clearview called the path to purpose. And, and this is a, an image of it right here. Our path to purpose, when, when somebody needs to, we, we believe that God made you for a reason. And, and so we have a path that can help you discover what that reason is. But if you'll notice, this is how important freedom ministry is to our church. Right there on the far right side, about the three o'clock position, you'll see that we added to our path to purpose finding freedom. That's how much important it is to our church's narrative. Because you know what we know? If you do not discover how to handle your life story, if you don't discover how to handle your generational patterns, if you don't discover how to handle any of your particular sin issues, you ever notice that you have recurring things popping up in your life? Don't look at me like you don't. All right? I got them. I, I'm, I've been way transparent with them, you know, maybe more so. You know, I was, you know, woefully transparent last Sunday night, you know, drove away from that going, well, we'll see how that goes. You know, I mean, we, we got real stuff in our lives, man. And if we don't know how to handle and navigate that, it's going to make it real hard to fulfill our calling, isn't it? But we can navigate it, and we can. So it's, how, it's, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal that we know how to do that. So this particular week, you're going to be talking in Keys to Freedom about sustaining freedom. You're going to see in Keys to Freedom kind of the four stay-ins, the, the big four stay-ins, staying in the Word, staying in prayer, staying in fellowship, staying in accountability. You're going to see that. But let me tell you, as I read that months and months ago, as I read that, I thought, you know what? I think there's more there. I think there's a lot more. I don't, you know, you know what I, my heart is for all of you and all of you over in the chapel this morning sitting watching this. Maybe you're watching from home as we stream this hour. Let, let me tell you what my heart is for you. It's not just that you get a breakthrough. It's that you keep it. You hear me? It's not that just you find deliverance. For some of you, it's taken weeks to get your mind into a place of, oh, man, where is God pushing me and calling me to higher ground? I don't just want you to find it once because it's not a one and done. I have found that, that the battle for my soul, the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions, the deepest side of Jason, all of us have a soul. And that soul is the place that David told us you know, in, in Psalms and it even tells us in the New Testament. We have command over that in some, in some levels. And, and I have found that the, the, the hardest struggle for me is not just finding consistent breakthroughs. It is holding on to them so that I am not deviating and that's what I want. I don't just want to win once. I want to be a winner. You with me? I, I, don't, I don't just want to win spiritually. That was, hey, come on. That was pretty good. Y'all are really dull today. I'm just going to tell you. It's raining. That was kind of condemning. What? I'm going to back up. Say, y'all could be happier. All right? I'm just kidding. Come on. Y'all got to laugh a little bit, man. Hey, so the reality is, no, I just don't want to see a breakthrough one time. I want to live in perpetual victory, hallelujah, right? That's what I want to live in. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to, uh, we're going to call this, uh, we're going to call this spinoff series Foundations for Freedom. We're actually going to start it, a, we're going to start a new one today. This is key seven, but we're going to start a new one today as a spinoff of freedom of how do we keep freedom, Foundations for Freedom. And we're going to start today, these are practical applications how do you, how is it that I can realign my life to find freedom? So today we're going to talk about finding freedom through Sabbath. Actually, we're going to talk about Sabbath. You know, wait, what? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I want to tell you, because Sabbath is one of the most misunderstood. I have had to learn more. I am constantly having to learn so much about this idea of Sabbath. Oh, it is not an easy concept. Or maybe it is, I just make it harder than it has to be. It could be that. So let's leave that hanging out there. But I want to talk to you today about finding freedom through Sabbath. So here's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible. Okay, start on the left, go to the right. If you're on a tablet, if you're on a device, I use the New American Standard if you happen to want to go along with me. You have sermon notes, by the way. There's a guest card. You can put that in the Baptist bucket. And we, that, we really do follow up with those if, if you're new here. It's not just for your attendance at all. We don't, when it's not that, we, we use it to help you with, with, with your life. But on the back in front of that, you can take real notes. And man, I hope you... Always bring a pen with your Bible. And today, so here, you, you got the Ten Commandments, and this is, this is one of those that, that I think we often overlook for, for various reasons I'm going to cover. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Here we go. Moses says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, or you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant or your female servant may rest as well as you. And he goes on. He doesn't stop. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, those are, those are interesting verses, right? Th- those, are, those are really interesting verses. And I think, I think Sabbath, you know, the Pharisees took it somewhere God didn't mean for it to go. They, they, took, they made all these obligations, like literally in the Old Testament, how many times you could tie a knot when it went from not tying to work, how many steps you could take when it went from just walking to work. I mean, they, they, they took it into place that it, could, it should never have gone. I think Sabbath, we often, it, we often Americanize it, and we think it's about this whole thing of just like sitting still. And I'm going to tell you, the key to Sabbath, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget to say it this way, Sabbath is not about pace, it's about my place. Okay, that's what Sabbath, Sabbath is not about pace. Oh, it, pace is a part of it, don't get me wrong, but it's not about pace, it's about my place. It's about me recognizing my order to God. Sabbath is a way of recognizing how I'm lined up with God. So it's, not, it's more than just a rhythm of life. It's actually about a mindset and a soul set, if you will. So the question really becomes, I think, how is it that you think, man, this is about freedom, Jason. This is about uh, foundations of freedom. How is, how is Sabbath connected to freedom? Oh, I think it's connected huge. I think it's huge. So, so let's take it and do it a different way. How, how then is, is Sabbath connected to bondage? Right? Let's think about that word bondage for a minute. How is Sabbath connected to bondage? Why, why, why would we be bringing up Sabbath and something about this idea of spiritual freedom? I'll tell you why. Here's why it is because slavery is still alive in the life of God's people. We just changed Egypt's. I think our Egypts now are far more self-imposed. I really do. 
And, and, and I would be in that crowd. I think our, some of our Egypts that we find bondage are places we took ourselves. I think we just created new Egypts. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, if, if, you want, if you want to understand, this is, re- this is really critical to the understanding of the theology behind the idea of Sabbath. If you want to understand Sabbath, you have to understand its connection to idolatry. It's a really big deal. In a minute, we're gonna, I'm going to show you a verse in Leviticus to kind of point this out. But you, if you want to, I'm going to say that again to you, okay? Because this is going to take you a while. I don't expect you to like just accept this for the first time you hear it. I promise you, I promise you, if you want to understand the gravity of Sabbath, you have to understand the connection it has to idolatry. If you really want to understand it at its most. Sabbath is, is super connected to, to idolatry. And, and it's funny to me, you know, uh, when you look at the Ten Commandments, one of the things that, that always jumps out at me. So you're in, in Deuteronomy 5, right? So he, here, here is the first commandment, right? Verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall not have any other gods before me. In other words, first commandment. I am God. Okay? Second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Now let me ask you. Why would he say that? He just said, your first commandment is to put me first. Your second commandment is don't build a second. Now why would he say that? Because he knows we're prone to do it. The only reason it's there is as the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We are prone to create. What, what was Israel's problem all throughout the Old Testament? Idol worship. Idol worship. You will seek Sabbath connected to idolatry in many ways. So idols, by definition, you know, when we think of idols, you know where your mind goes? I'll tell you where my mind goes as a kid of the 80s. Indiana Jones movies. You know, Indiana Jones movies, you know, and you got the, you know, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and you got all these things. He's trying to go steal these relics and these, you know, Asherah poles and all this stuff. And he's got the cool hat and, you know, the cool whip and all that good stuff. You know, I mean, we think of idol worship. Eh, that's for some person sitting in the jungle, like, you know, bowing down to some tree with like a carved face or, you know, or whatever. golden. Listen, let me tell you what an idol is. Oh, <laughs> Sabbath is connected to, to idolatry because slavery is still alive. It's still alive in God's people. So you can build, you can make an idol out of all kinds of things. You, you, you want to know the fast track? You've heard me say this before, but you know, I know that you, know, you forget 89% of what I say usually by lunch, if it even makes it that long. That's why the glory of podcasts are there. But, but I'm going to tell you, you've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. If you want to find the fast track to where your idols live, look at what you worry about. Where where do you find yourself worrying the most? I'm not talking about worrying today. Look back over your life. Is there a recurring place that builds anxiety in your life? Often you will find an idol living there because you're placing so much, your grip is so tight in that area. For some of you, it's your kids. I'm serious. 
It is your kids, and you are freaked out that if you don't get them into just the right school, their whole life is going to be shattered. And I'm here to tell you, God is bigger than any university your kid could ever go to. I mean it. For some of you, your fear is losing your job, as if the revenue came from your employer anyway. But we, we, we know this, right? I mean, I do it too, man. You know, one of the things that bugs me the most about me, I'm, this is group therapy for a second, I'm going to take it. Um, one of the things that bugs me the most about me is I can't stand it, that my peace at times is affected by the balance sheets. That drives me crazy. I should know better, but I don't. We're all in this together. You can make an idol out of all kinds of things. You can make an idol. So, so just check, check your worry spots, man. For some of you, your idol is your job and your work ethic. Because you think that if you just keep working harder, you can insulate yourself from failure. You're so afraid to fail that you think, if I can just continue to work harder than the next person, I'll be better, I'll climb further, I'll do more. And that works most of the time until there are things like these words called market corrections or downsizing. Ever been in that? Your position is no longer needed. Nobody's exempt from that. You had a great job until they sold the company. Now what? And, and those are real. I mean, th those are real things. But so we, we can find ourselves all tangled up. For some of you, it's, it's control. I have found that people that truly struggle, that's what we would call a control addict. It's not that they're arrogant. For those of you that really struggle with control, you're not arrogant. You're not a power grabber. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid that if you, if you, law, if you, you have to control every little thing because if you can't, what happens? If, if what is this one? And then you only to discover the older you get is I, I really can control nothing, much of anything. I mean, there's very little I have control over at the end of the day, to be honest with you. But often when I find myself trying to control things, you know what I find in my soul? Fear. I'm afraid of something. See, slavery's still alive in God's people. So how does that, how does that work with Sabbath? Because when we go off into bondage, then how does, Sabbath, how, how does Sabbath bring us out of that? Well, I'll tell you what Sabbath does. Here we go. This is so much better preaching than y'all are looking like on your faces. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... So here's the deal. Sabbath reorients my compass to my provider. That's what it does. Sabbath reorients my compass to my provider. If you, it, it, it's, it's not that you're just coming to church on the Sabbath. You've got to get your mind out of that place if you're ever going to understand Sabbath. It's not just about church attendance, and it's not about pace. It's about place. It's about your alignment. You got me? It's about your alignment. It's not about your pace. It's about your place, your order with God. And so all of a sudden, when you start honoring the rhythms of Sabbath, the reason that God, I want y'all to notice something. 
Notice how many times, every time he's talking about Sabbath in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, notice how many, and notice how many times, especially in Leviticus, I've been reading through Leviticus lately, and one of the things I've noticed about Leviticus is he is always coming back to this phrase over and over and over. And by the way, in the Old Testament, when you see an Old Testament writer giving you what we call repetitive phrases, they didn't have screens and they didn't have all the technology, so what they, they were an oral culture. So when they repeat themselves over and over and over again, there's a reason for that. It's to burn it into your mind. That's the whole point. So you find in Leviticus, there's a phrase over and over and over and over and over at all of these Levitical constructs and precepts. It is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He had to keep reminding them. You know why? Because obviously if you follow the Exodus, it didn't take long till they forgot. Right? So if you're ever feeling bad about yourself, just go read the Exodus. You know? Let's do a little comparative relational Christianity. You'll always feel better about yourself when you compare yourself to the Jews of the Exodus. Right? Because they failed miserably. And I think I probably would have too. They were starving. And God gave them manna. And that was awesome. Until it wasn't. I'm sick of the drive-through. Well, you were starving. Yeah, I know. But this is they went. Time out. They they went from being starving people who God miraculously brought bread to their front door. You didn't even have to get out of your pajamas, man. I mean, you got out of the tent. You walked out. Stay-at-home moms. Miracle from God. Breakfast. Right? Wow. Don't even have to pour water on it. Like every day. MRE. That, you know, I'm just hitting me. This was the first MRE. Meal ready to eat. It was the first MRE. And I just am hitting that. You know, it's all of a sudden hitting me. It's true. And they went, they, it was a miracle from God until only a few days later they called it, wait for it, worthless bread. even hard to say see so so what sabbath does when we find this god's always telling i did that don't y'all remember don't y'all remember don't you remember don't you remember so look in leviticus 26 and this i got this on the screen for you look at this you shall not make for yourselves idols nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it for i am the lord your god You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. In that verse, he ties Sabbath to bondage and idolatry. See, I think what happens to us, you guys, when we get our lives out of rhythm and when we get our lives out of alignment, when we chase... See, an idol... Here's what an idol is. An idol is, by definition, something very simple. An An idol, by definition is something that you look to do for you which only God can do. Let's just keep it real simple. I'm going to keep it generic right there on purpose. An idol can be anything, but it is something that you look to be God for you, but only God can do it. That's why a relationship... Listen, a good husband makes a poor God. You with me? All you women are going, 
I, 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 I want to shake my head, but I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can. I don't want to bring him down. <laughs> I'm going to flip it. A good wife makes a poor God too. See, you're not the dream giver. Husbands and wives, God never told you to be the fulfiller of all the dreams. Only Jesus can do that. A good job makes a poor God. Good kids do not make good gods because they will let you down. They, your kids will let you down. And you know what? You will let them down too. You know when they're going to find that out? In their 20s. They kind of are hunched onto it right now in their teenage years. But then when you start having your own kids, you start realizing just how much your parents were winging it behind closed doors going, what do we do? I don't know. Let's get a plan, but let's poker face it. Okay. And we've never done that. Y'all do it. I hear about it a lot. I'm just saying, you know. No. So, 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 so the reality is an idol, you know what an idol will do for you? It will overpromise and underdeliver every time. It'll overpromise and underdeliver every time. So Sabbath is a way that you align yourself with your create, creator. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you right now, man, if I think there is one, listen, I mean, if you guys are not listening to me right now, it's okay, but I'm telling you, please listen to me. Give me your heart. We all just give me your heart for a minute. Just give me your heart and your mind for a minute. I'm going to tell you why I think this is so connected to spiritual freedom right now, why Sabbath is so connected to, to, to bondage. I think the biggest place where we are in bondage in this county, and I don't think it's just a Williamson County thing. It's just that I lived here for 20 years. I think it's really an American thing. It actually might be a global thing. But I think in this county, it's so far gone. It is, it is this simple reality that we face, and I see it in parents, I hear it in your voices, I hear it in the corporate sector, I hear it from all of you in different ways, and you say it different ways, but I'm going to tell you, as a people in this county, we are exhausted. We are exhausted. We are trying to keep up. You know, you know where... And the symptoms are everywhere in this county. We are tired. This is one of the highest, I've lived here 20 years, one of the highest complaint cultures I've ever seen in my life. I'm not kidding. Williamson County is one of the highest complaint cultures I've ever seen in my life. We're tired. We're worn out. I don't know about y'all. Does this ever happen to y'all? Do y'all ever notice that the, tire, the more tired you get, the more intense and impatient and a little frustrated you become with your tone? Oh, don't y'all look at me like you're so holy right now. When I get tired, I get edgy, buddy. I'm talking about show enough. I start snapping. I don't let y'all see it. But you can make some phone calls pretty much and find out what it's like. It's, it happens to all of us. The more tired and exhausted you get, you get impatient. You start honking at people because they didn't take off from the red light fast enough. You start standing in front of the microwave with popcorn going, really? Three minutes. Let's go. The drive through at Chick-fil-A, who amazingly, they, I don't know, they ever really mess an order up at all. I, I'm fascinated by that. And, and they, they, they almost always get it wrong. And you're like, you know, seriously, seven minutes? 
they just made you a whole meal, man. You know, you send a text message. It's got to go to space first, and then it's got to come back. And you're going, hey, I've been calling you for like 17 minutes. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to talk to you. See, back when we had landlines, you never got offended that anybody didn't call you back. But now I know that you know that I called you, and you know that I know that you called me, and so now we got this weirdness between us because I'm not answering. Maybe I don't want to talk to you right now. My go-to answer is I was with Jesus. Come on, beat that, you know? But I'm, I'm just, no, I, that's not always true. I lie about that sometimes. I, that, that, I don't really, but I don't think I do. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I think what's, what we've done with Sabbath is we mistake it for just being still when God is telling us, <laughs> I think he's telling us in Deuteronomy 5, in Leviticus 26, I did not make you just so you can melt into the earth with exhaustion and fatigue and performance. See, my, my heart for you that I feel for you guys in this county, because you know what? Most of you in here, you're here because you are an earner. You're here because you're driven. And that makes you, that doesn't make you bad. That's good. That got you where you are. You have high standards, right? We do. It's everywhere in this county. We have high standards. That's why people want to live here. It's a good thing. Until it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's good until it's not. The schools are great. But nothing's free. There's a price we pay for everything. And, and so many of you are really talented people, and you earn a lot, and you make a lot, and you do a lot, but the problem is, and then you throw a smartphone on top of that that's ringing, dinging, all the time into your life, and you can't ever get away. You're answering emails at 9 o'clock at night. You're getting up in the morning, and the first thing on your mind is the P&L, and you get all these things happening to our lives, and you look at trying to balance school schedules, and pretty soon we are so far from the Jesus life. And then we look to our church to say, answer my problem. Answer my problem. Make it better. Aren't y'all supposed to make it better? And I'm going, I'm human-sized. I'm human-sized. I got the same problem you do. Why are you looking at me? And we just eat each other apart, and we're mad, and we're frazzled. And why? Because I think what, what we do is we've, we've gotten, we, we're right back in Egypt. It just looks different. And so we have to learn. You know, you know what's interesting about, to me about the, um, about the Sabbath? I've thought about this for years, and I've never really found an answer to it, just more of a hunch. When you look at the Ten Commandments, the average Christian would never conceive of murder. Thou shalt not murder. You, you, you just wouldn't do that. You shall not murder. You shall not covet your neighbor's possessions. No, I don't want to do that. You shall not commit adultery. It happens, but no, I, I, nobody gets married hoping to commit adultery. So that, that's, a, that, that's, you, that's not in there. You don't want that. You try to stay away from that, and you honor that. 
So how did this idea of Sabbath move from a commandment to a suggestion? How did it go from a commandment to a suggestion? Because he's not playing. If you look in the Old Testament, failure to honor the Sabbath was part of the reason he put him into slavery. Part of the reason. Leonard Ravenhill, I'm going to give you a quote. Don't show it yet. Now, I want to tell you all something about Ravenhill. I've read some of his books. Don't read them. Don't read Ravenhill unless you're ready. He's in heaven now. And I want to tell you, you can still pull up sermons that dude preached. And he... He read the church scene in the last 50 years maybe better than anybody. It's one of the first things that made me love Graham Inman. Every year, Graham reads a book that I've read before, um, Why Revival Tarries by Ravenhill. Um, it says a lot about a young man his age to be reading somebody like Ravenhill, but this is typical Ravenhill. He says, this book is either absolute or it's obsolete. It's either absolute or it's obsolete. You're either going to obey it, but you can't pick and choose. That's what got the Jews in trouble. They began to pick and choose what parts of Yahweh they liked, and then they borrowed from Baal, and they borrowed over here, and they borrowed over here, and they made up their own theology whenever it was convenient. And I'm telling you, not only is this book either absolute or obsolete, but so is the author. The author is either absolute authority or he's obsolete altogether. And so, so the question then becomes, how do, how, do, how do I build it? So how do I build Sabbath into my life's rhythm, okay? I'm actually going to talk about that next week a lot. We're going to talk about practical extensions of Sabbath because it's not about pace. It's about place. It's about alignment. But I'm going to start with giving you one today. How do I build, because I do think, by the way, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, for me, Sabbath, this whole idea of the soul started with me probably around 2003 or 4. It was when I began to discover this whole thing about how Sabbath was tied into this. And, you know, it, it, obviously I don't get Sundays. So, so I've got to find different ways to do it. And I think you should be free to find different ways to do it. I think you should, it, it's, a, it's, not about a, it's not about pace. It's about your alignment, your place. But I'm going to give you... The bedrock foundation for freedom. You ready for this? This is the foundation of how you start. Next week, we're going to look at many multiple applications of how we can restore our souls using Sabbath. But the first one is this. It all rests on this architecture right here. Return to God's order for my life. Return to God's order for my life. The Bible has a word for return. Want to take a guess at what it's called? Repent. Nobody likes that word in 2022 because it sounds mean. Do you think God is up there just waiting to pour out his wrath on you? No, he's not. Because you're some awful person and you get this thing wrong and he's ready to smash you. Or how about this? Or he's just disappointed. You know, some of, you know what pro some of y'all's problem is? Some of you, not every one of you. This is for somebody. This wasn't in my notes, but this is for somebody. What, what, some, for some of you, one of, your, one of your biggest issues with the Lord is that you just think he's displeased with you all the time. And he's not. 
He sent Christ to let you know of his pleasure. And the Bible says to me, the last time I checked it in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. God's not mad at you, but he does want you to come home. And I think that's the picture of the the prodigal son. That he wanted to go into the far country in Luke 16. Hey, Daddy, I want to go test all that stuff out there. Okay, buddy. But it's not free. Can I have all my money? Yeah. And it says that Father looks down the road, and when he saw his son, he ran to him. That road home, that kid came back broke, beaten, had nothing to give, wasted it all. But what got him home? The willingness to turn around. Repentance is your best friend. Returning is your best friend. It is your best friend. Because what it is, it's about aligning your will with his will. Your soul is your heart, your mind, your will, your attitude, your emotions. It's all about Sabbath does something supernatural. It is supernatural. There is something about when you say, I'm going to realign my life to fit my maker. Then you know what? Guess what? I can take a day off. And for those of all of you that think that you have to work all the time, can we not just at least agree that Chick-fil-A, twice in a sermon, Chick-fil-A is living proof that you can take a whole day off they don't make chicken they print money they just print money I have never seen a Chick-fil-A in my life that was not busting at the seams from Dothan Alabama to every just everywhere I think they got one in Dothan I've seen them in Alabama I'm Everywhere I go, Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, Thursdays at 7 o'clock at night, doesn't matter when, filled with people, making money like crazy, Sundays off, they're doing all right. True, Kathy one time said, every Sunday I give a Bible lesson to the world because parents are forced to tell their kids, why are they closed on Sunday? It can be done. Sunday may not be your day, but it can't be done. It can't be done. Are you exhausted? Return to God's order for my life. It's not just about pace, it's about place, but I will tell you, pace has a lot to do with it. My favorite soul author, John Ortberg, said it this way. Ortberg said, hurry isn't a sign of a disordered life. Hurry is a sign of a disordered heart. It's your life that gets out of line. And, and, and so is that not what Keys to Freedom is all about? Is Keys to Freedom all, not all about the, the, the root system? We see this picture all the time that, that our behaviors, if we're exhausted, if, if we're constantly out of alignment with God, if we have no time for people, no time for God's word, no time for worship, no time for anything, we have a false belief. And that belief is it all depends on me. And let me tell you something, friends, that is a lie from hell. Did you hear me? All of you earners out there, all of you guys that love to earn, all of you women that love to just feel like it's all on your shoulders to run your whole house, it is not. 
It is not, because that's a false belief system. It's not all on your shoulder. Aren't you glad it's not all on your shoulder? But we sure don't live like it. I don't a lot. I'm just true confession. So why, if the behaviors, what are the behaviors? The behaviors are just indicators of a bad belief system. And where does the bad belief system come from? A bad root. The root's, the root's out of sort, right? Something's wrong there. So Sabbath is about our place. It's about restoring that root system, man. And that's where freedom can come. It's where freedom can come. I think that the issue that we, we have is that we do treat Sabbath like a suggestion when God gave it to us as a commandment. And I want to set you free on something, friends. I'm telling you, God is asking every time in the Ten Commandments. He's asking all through Leviticus. He's asking all through Romans. He's asking all through Galatians. He's asking through Revelation. He's asking through the Gospel of John and Mark and Matthew. He's asking through the Psalms. Return to me. Let me be the provider. Let me be the ruler. He's constantly calling you back to the first commandment. He's constantly calling you back to that. You know why? Because here's the deal, you guys. We, we don't get the right to pick and choose which ones we obey. We don't. Nowhere did God ever tell you, some things I suggest and some things, you know, it's kind of up to. This is about your very souls. And right out of the gate in the Big Ten, he tells you, don't chase idols. It does start with rhythm. And honestly, I think our lives look a lot like this. I think for most of us, that's how our lives look. Blurried, frayed, exhausted, over-notified, over-emailed. You know, one of, the, you, know one of the, you know one of the deepest points of pain I have for you guys just as a pastor? I know when you're hurting. And you know one of the biggest points of pain I have for many of you right now in the corporate space you are sitting on Zoom six, seven, eight hours a day right now for some of you. You can't even work. You're just, you just, the whole, after COVID, the whole world just started meeting. We're just meeting a lot. We're in more information overload. Do y'all think that could be anything connected to why, why mental health is at an all-time high in our country? We are in so much, as if we weren't already in mental health overload with information before. And now it just quadrupled or to a power of 10. You're exhausted. And I'm telling you, that is not the Jesus life. You don't, but you don't, you don't have to play. Oh, you do have to earn a paycheck and you do have to honor your employer and I get all that. But you're going to have to listen to me. Your soul, listen to me, friend. Your soul is up to you. You're, what did David say in the Psalms? I quieted my soul. I quieted my soul. Your soul is your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions. God has given you the ability to captain that, uh, to align with him. And so, therefore, you don't have to play. You may have to adjust. You're going to have to find, post-pandemic, you're going to have to find new ways to guard your soul. And I can't tell you what they are because I don't live your life. But I'm going to tell you, that's not the Jesus life. You, you, you don't have to play that game. I'll tell you where this whole thing can look. It's, it doesn't have to look like this. It can look like this next one. It can look like that. And by the way, before you think about it, that's not the way of the introvert. Because I would be excluded from that. Because I'm not an introvert. Shocker. I am hyper. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, Jason, we know. No, I'm hyper. Bad. I am hyper. This isn't the way of the introvert. So for all of you, because you introverts are going, oh, that's heaven right there, man. No beach chairs. No nobody. No road signs. No, no humans. No humans. For introverts, heaven is like occasional collaboration with eternity by yourself. You know, praise God. <laughs> right? For extroverts, we're like, no, it is one party forever, man. Starts with food in Genesis, ends with food in Revelations, banquet feast, come on. I mean, no. What, what is it about? That's not the way of the introvert. What I'm saying is, don't Americanize the gospel and don't Americanize the Sabbath. It's about order. It's about restoring. When you look at, at, at Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it's, it's about reordering your soul desires. And if you can build margin for the soul through Sabbath, idols are easier to spot. You, did you hear that? See, when, you're, when your life is frayed, frazzled, exhausted, when you are going 90 different miles an hour trying to work God into the day, when you're doing your best, you have no margin for the Lord at all, idols take over. It is a breeding ground for idolatry. But when you create soul space, Order starts to come back, and that's what Sabbath is. Jesus made us a promise. You ready? Here it is. Come to me, all you who are what? Weary. In fact, you know what I want us to do? We don't do this very much at Clearview, but we're going to do it today. We're going to read this out loud. Ready? Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.